Funding for the Hinckley Report is made possible in part by the George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation and the Cleone Peterson Eccles Endowment Fund. Thank you for listening to the Hinckley Report as a podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe at your go-to podcast platform. Promotional support for this episode of the Hinckley Report podcast is provided by Trib Talk, an award-winning news podcast from the Salt Lake Tribune. Join host Benjamin Wood, Tribune reporters, and community guests as they dive into the latest topics affecting Utahns. Find Trib Talk at sltrib.com or by searching for Trib Talk on most major podcast platforms. Good evening, and welcome to the Hinckley Report. I'm Jason Perry, director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. This week, we are sitting down with both candidates for the Salt Lake City mayoral race. Each candidate will answer a series of similar questions. Before the show, we flipped a coin to determine who would go first. The winner of that coin toss was Senator Luz Escamilla. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, uh, Senator, we have to talk about why you got involved a minute. We'll talk about the policies here in just a minute, some of your positions on things, but let's take a moment getting to know you, all right? Just uh, talk a, a minute about how you got involved in politics and why you're running for this particular race. Well, I mean, I think I'm a, uh, the consequence of a lot of situations mm-hmm. happening. I'm, uh, I'm a mom, I care deeply about our city, and I wanna make sure my kids have the ability and the opportunities I've had I was welcomed by a Salt Lake City as a new immigrant to this country, as a new American in 1996, which I just disclosed my age, but that's okay. <laughs> they have to do I, the math. So yeah, they okay. have to do the math. I came here to school, to the University of Utah, which is why I love this, this campus. Um, came here pursuing an American dream. A lot of it was my, my parents' dreams, my dad specifically. And things started to be very clear about disparities, about how sometimes your zip code determines <clears throat> how good or how good of outcome you will have in your life. And I wanted to change that. I wanted to do more. I started um, teaching classes for limited English proficient children. I was a tutor during my time at the University of Utah as a student. Started getting activated on issues and organizing communities to have a voice in the legislative process, which is where everything started for me. And then had a great opportunity, which we share that, of working with a, with a then Governor John Huntsman Jr. That gave me this bigger ability to understand not only the legislative process, but the executive branch process. And from there, I wanted to have a stronger voice to represent my district and my community. And that's when I ran for office in 2008 and got elected to the Utah State Senate. So that's kind of like a little bit of how it got me there. But I've been involved in so many issues from healthcare related issues, education, domestic violence, people with disabilities, veterans issues. All of them have been part because all I want to do is make sure that there's um, a level of justice to process mm-hmm. and that there, everyone has the same opportunities. Okay, so uh, this, this role as mayor, uh, you, you have an opportunity now to meet with a lot of members of the legislature, your, your colleagues currently. Uh, that relationship has not always been so great. In fact, we saw a lot of this with the Inland Port. Talk about those relationships uh, and your experience and how you see that relationship uh, going forward uh, with you as the mayor. I think that's actually one of my biggest assets coming to this race is the ability 
to understand how things happen and how things are done at the state legislature. I've been there for 11 years. <coughs> I <coughs> have a successful track of passing meaningful legislation that impacts the lives of people because I've built relationships. So I'm a true believer in relationships and I think that people, um, we may agree to disagree in a respectful manner. Mm -hmm. So I wanna change that. I wanna have a buy-in from the state capitol about the capital city. I wanna make sure my colleagues understand how important it is to invest in a good and strong capital city, solid city. And that's what I wanna do. Um, the way we solve our problems, which I'm sure we'll get to, is gonna be through collaboration. We don't do this alone at Salt Lake City. Our taxpayers base cannot handle this. It's very expensive. Growth is happening. We have to think 25 years from now in a sustainable way and making sure that we work with our counterparts in other municipalities and cities and that also the state comes in and supports us so we can continue to be an, a destination for business, a destination for education in a way that's safe and that includes everyone. And that's my vision is working with the state legislature, with the governor's office and the governor to make sure that they see how investing in Salt Lake City at the end will have a high return on investment. At, at the foundation of all of those things you just mentioned is this economic development effort, which seems to drive a lot of it and certainly impacts the, the growth issues that come forward. What is your economic development strategy as for Salt Lake City specifically? Um, yeah, so economic development is the engine, of course, that creates jobs, uh, that also brings opportunities in different places and supports our education system. As someone that's been in the banking world for 13 years and owns a small business with my husband, I know what it takes to have um, a business and to grow a business. So I want a Salt Lake City that's ready for business and it's one of our big initiatives. We wanna make sure we help businesses. We wanna be partners with businesses so they can create the jobs and the wealth that we need to have a strong community. So you're gonna see an Escamilla administration really working to expedite processes for the very small entrepreneur that just had an idea and wants to start a business in Salt Lake City and the big large businesses that come in and make Salt Lake City home. So I, I will be focusing on processes, on executing and making sure that our, our management from that perspective of the city is making sure those businesses are successful. Mm -hmm. uh, some, some look at what happens in Salt Lake City as having sort of a, a ripple effect throughout the rest of the state uh, in terms of your economic development efforts, maybe the recruitment efforts. Uh, wh what are you looking at, at doing as mayor, which, is, which has Salt Lake City specifically, but may have an impact and a, and a positive benefit on the communities around us? So one is, as a capital city, we wanna recruit good business partners. And by that, I mean, we need to have a city that's looking into wages because right now affordability in housing, for example, is a crisis. So we wanna recruit and we want businesses that pay good living wages, that provide healthcare and childcare, which is the number one reason why women in Utah cannot take it to the next level when it comes to their education or, their, or in the workforce. So I think you need a mayor that understands business, that understands what it takes to succeed, but also bring innovation and technology. I serve on the board of Silicon Sloops. I've been working with them, even though they're in the point of the mountain, I wanna bring them a little bit closer to Salt Lake City. We need them in Salt Lake City. We have the, the airport, an international airport that welcomes the world every day. I have a lot of background in international relations. It's something we've had an opportunity to work together. And um, this is a time where we put Salt Lake City as the beacon of light in the world. And I'm excited for that. I think a mayor that understands how do you recruit good businesses, good relations between you know, states and cities 
it's critical. And that's how you create the, great, the right environment for businesses to come here. You also have a lot of different constituencies in Salt Lake City, uh, a lot of different uh, interests to, uh, to accommodate in some way. How are you going about bringing all those varied interests together into one spot, this important uh, mayoral position? So Salt Lake City is very diverse, as you were mentioning, and it's growing and it's becoming more diverse. And we have diversity on socioeconomic situations to race, ethnicity. We are also a refugee resettlement mm -hmm. city. We welcome a lot of new immigrants to this to this great state and this great city. So what you need is a mayor that could include all. I think my own personal experience gives me the ability to understand how your experience really opens your lens until you see things. And sustainability, in using sustainability as a lens and what we see things will make it easier for us to make decisions. So when you look at disparities between East and West, for example, and I come from representing the West side of Salt Lake City, and that was one of the things why I'm running for office for mayor is because I wanna make sure that that is closed. Like the city has a big responsibility to make sure that West of I-15 looks, and it's the, you know, in, the, in a way getting the same services than East of I-15. And those disparities have been a reality. We've been underserved and underrepresented for a long time in City Hall. And I'm trying to bring those together so everyone on the east side, on the west side, north and south of Salt Lake City feels that they have a place at City Hall. We're going to take City Hall to neighborhoods, Jason. We have to do that. We have to make sure people feel like the city that they belong to and they work and they pay taxes to, it's representing them. The way you do that is by taking some of our services to them, to the neighborhoods and empowering them to participate right now. There's very low participation because they don't feel that they are being represented. We will shift that under my administration. Mm -hmm. One of the themes that's consistent from all those different areas is a housing affordability issue. Uh, what are your plans going forward on that to make sure people who want to live in Salt Lake can? So my uh, plan for housing, affordable housing, includes eight points. And some of the big pieces of those eight points is one, making sure that this is about people and not only about buildings. And that is shifting the mentality, I think, of the current administration, the current leadership mm -hmm. in City Hall. We need to work with those developers that are interested in developing for all Salt Lake City residents. Not only low income housing, but also the middle class that sometimes is being chipped. So you get into market rate, but then you leave out this community that's working that may not qualify for the low income component, but still wants to live in Salt Lake City. And we're seeing more people leave Salt Lake City because they can't afford it. Mm -hmm. So it's sometimes an issue of perception when you think about affordability. So we're gonna be shifting that. We have very specific plans of utilizing our own inventory of buildings and places where Salt Lake City Corporation owns and making sure we're developing those areas, but we're also developing neighborhoods and communities, one house, one home, one apartment at a time. I've been working with NeighborWorks and getting a bigger piece of their vision of Salt Lake City, and they've been doing great work, and they do it one block at a time, three homes at a time, and they're creating neighborhoods that way. I think not everything is gonna look the same in Salt Lake City. We clearly have different communities across the city. That's the beauty of Salt Lake but you cannot have only low-income housing on one part of the city. We need to share all of them and make sure that we're inclusive as we continue to move forward. But I invite them to come to our website and see of the eight specific points. We need to move into more net zero development. Mm -hmm. So we're also you know, being very proactive with regards to air quality we'll and environment. We'll talk about just a moment. The sure. plan for air quality, what's next? You know, air quality, A, we're not gonna solve it alone. You know, we are part of a bigger <clears throat> you know, community as a city. And so two things is addressing transportation. So our, 
our mass transit plan. It's actually a good plan that the city has been working. This administration did a good job. Let's continue that implementation, but we need to be more uh, intentional about the uh, accessibility, the convenience mm -hmm. of our public transit and our public mass transit. And we don't, we're not there yet. Yeah, we're increasing more uh, rights and more opportunities for people, especially on the west side where they have been disproportionately left behind when it comes to access but we need more. Affordability obviously is critical, but even if it's affordable, even if it's free, if it's not convenient and accessible, we're not gonna make people get off the vehicles and cars into other type of transportation. Safety on the roads is critical. We want more people using you know, other types of active transportation, whether it's walking, mm -hmm. bicycles, or scooters. You have to make them safe. Right now our safety is not that good. You know, we don't have a great record when it comes to safety. So let's make those roads more safe. Let's have sharing the roads between cars, motorcycles, bicycles. It will take also some education changes and some um, cultural changes as a community. We need to have a mayor in a city that's on the time talking about this and shifting um, ways of removing us from cars. And you know, cars is maybe more convenient, but we are hurting our environment and the congestion is also creating a problem. Okay. Uh, in the last couple of seconds we have, uh, we talk about these policies and people call me and they say, I, wanna, I, I understand some of the nuances of the policies, but maybe beyond the policies, the difference between you and, and, uh, and your opponent in this particular race, just in a couple of seconds there, Absolutely. What, what do you bring? So for so me, uh, three things. One is our experience, our experience in, our, in the private sector, in the public sector, in the nonprofit sector real work experience is critical. You're gonna be a strong city mayor, you're managing a 3,000 individual corporation. You want someone that's done that before, that's managed people before, that has been in the executive branch. We've had a chance to do that before. And then in the nonprofit sector, I work in the nonprofit sector as well, but also my 11 years of legislative experience I think is critical. My record working with people, building consensus, and my reputation. I think those are the three things. I'm encouraging people to visit our website and see the difference between our experience, our record, and our reputation, and hopefully get their vote. Very good. Thank you so much Thank for you. this. This is candidate for mayor, Senator Luz Escamilla. Thank you. Thank you. Election day is November 5th, but early and mail-in voting has begun in certain cities. For more information on your local elections, please visit elections.utah.gov. Joining us now is Councilwoman Erin Mendenhall, candidate for Salt Lake City Mayor. Erin, thank you so much for being with us today. It's a pleasure, thanks for having me. Well, you know, we're gonna get into some policies and some of the direction you wanna take the city, but I think people should really get to know you a little bit too. So maybe tell us how you got involved in politics, why you did it, and uh, why you stayed, and why you're running for mayor. Sure, I think like a lot of Salt Lake City people, I came to Salt Lake City because I was drawn to the culture and the community that I think is a very intentional community we live in here. Sometimes I characterize this as the political pendulum swing from the rest mm. of the state, but I think it also cultivates a really unique sense of community, neighborhood, and a place where people are invested in what happens here. So I came here right after high school. I grew up in Sandy and went to Alta and went to the University of Utah for my undergraduate and eventually for my master's degree as well. 
I got into politics really through working on air quality uh, more, about a dozen years ago when my first child was born. And I've said a couple times that it's sort of like when you watch an old movie that you loved before you had kids and sit down with your kids yeah. and watch it and think, oh my gosh, I forgot about all of that. And you see it through new eyes. Mm -hmm. That's how our air pollution became to me once I held that first beautiful baby in my arms and thought, oh my gosh, how can I do nothing and raise you in this place that can harm you? So I got to work on air quality and work okay. through nonprofit, uh, community organizing, and then working with the legislature to try to make some meaningful change on air pollution. Uh, one of the things you'll have to do is work with the legislature. You have the Inland Port, you got numerous other issues coming forward. That relationship uh, has not been the greatest for a, a little while. Uh, I know you waited on it during the last legislative session. Talk about what your plan is going forward with working with the legislature, the governor, these key stakeholders that have something to say about your city. Yeah, I think you saying that just for the last little while, it hasn't been that good is generous of you, Jason. <laughs> it's been tough for decades and being that political pendulum swing, I'm tired of us electing people to Salt Lake City leadership who I think we just want to walk up there and pop the state in the nose. We are not getting what we should as the capital city by having such a cantankerous and unworkable relationship with the state. I learned this the hard way, starting on air quality a dozen years ago when it wasn't a popular issue yet, and figuring out how to thread that needle of the conversation, come to a place where we can work from a shared value. And that shared value, no matter what your, your uh, party affiliation might be, is that at least if you've got kids, you want them to grow up here healthy and strong and be able to build a life here, be able to start and innovate businesses here, at least there is the beginning of a foundation where we can work together. And I've been able to do that on air quality uh, before my time on the city council and, and since, but also on really sensitive issues like the inland port, where our mayor walked away in frustration in 2018, left us with nothing, and left the state with the atrocious piece of legislation they'd passed that steals much of our tax increment and our land use authority. I walked us back as a city, negotiated with the state, and resulted in some improvements. Are we done with it? No, and there's a long ways to go on issues from our watershed protection, the inland port, transportation dollars, affordable housing, addressing homelessness. Salt Lake City has to be in a working relationship with the state of Utah. It's something I've been doing on our behalf as city residents, and I will continue doing in a bigger way as our mayor. Mm -hmm. uh I want to get into a couple of those policy issues here in a moment, yeah. but at the heart of a lot of those is the economy itself, the economic development efforts of, of Salt Lake City. Your thoughts about how you will kind of have a smart growth approach to Salt Lake City, the kind of businesses you're recruiting, and the tax base itself. That is a perfect segue because in order to get what Salt Lake City values and desires in terms of air quality and diversity and affordable housing, even public transportation, we've got to make the business case with the state, with private investment, with other government entities in order to bring them to the table so it isn't just Salt Lake City taxpayer dollars doing that work. Part of making the business case and the opportunity is the incredible amount of growth that we're experiencing in Salt Lake City. You know that we've been adding more affordable housing, but more housing period than any other city in the state for a number of years. We're continuing in the pipeline to see that kind of growth happening. So how we grow matters and the businesses that we attract here with intention and invest in as a city matter. 
I would like us to see more partnership with the university and the business community, Salt Lake City, to say, how do we grow a tech ecosystem here? The tech industry is the highest paying, fastest growing industry in the state, and those cities are preempted from being able to affect minimum wage in the state of Utah. We can get at livability and affordability by looking at what are the businesses we're bringing here? And do they share the values that we have around access and opportunity, sustainability, mm -hmm. diversity, and the tech sector uniquely aligns with Salt Lake City's values in a, in a big way, so. How do you bring those things together on that affordable housing issue? Uh, absolutely, because if we're gonna grow a tech ecosystem, we have to grow our affordable housing congruent to that kind of momentum. We don't wanna end up like other cities that, don't, that miss, lose that missing middle of housing and lose the accessibility. I led the $21 million that the redevelopment agency put together about three years ago for affordable housing. I understand the city's budget. I understand the redevelopment agency tools and its budget and how we convene force like no city has ever done in the state of Utah to put that kind of momentum together. But it's also about ongoing funding for our housing programs. How do we help people get in housing? And then how do we help them stay there so they don't have to become homeless in order to put their lives back together when a crisis falls? So working with the tech sector who also, of other industries, who also needs a diversity of talent pool. We've got incredible amount of educated folks coming out of the University of Utah where we sit today and our other universities. Mm -hmm. But we also need a spectrum of talent. Not all of those workers need university degrees and they need to be able to live, work, play near uh, Salt Lake City. So growing with that industry, their intentions also need a robust workforce with the diversity of talent. Mm -hmm. uh, th that makes me need to really ask about that, that very diverse population you have in Salt Lake City. How, how do you approach your position as mayor, uh, making sure you accommodate all these very different interests and different places of, of need and desire for the city? I'll say at, at a 5,000 foot level, I think that the role of mayor is really about convening amplifying and getting something better than we would have if we hadn't set the table for a good conversation. Um, I think about it like the, the pinch point in an hourglass. There's the administering of the city, $330 million budget, over 3,000 employees, all of the programs and services we run, and then there's all of the relationships and potential that can come into the city, and the mayor's gotta be able to work both ways on that hourglass approach, so to speak. So how do we serve a diverse population? Well, it's partially about bringing in the right kind of partnerships and opportunities, like growing our public transit system. We know that the average household spends 20% of its income on transportation costs. So when I talk about growing public transit, which I think is an appropriate role for a city to lead out on with a private, in private investment community, to say, we're gonna build public transit because it helps our economy, it's gonna serve you as a private investor, but it's also gonna help the affordability of residents across our city. It's gonna affect our air quality. We need that bus fleet to transition to an all electric fleet. We've gotta have the, the, the vision really to pull through all of these opportunities and connect them to the diverse community that we have here in Salt Lake City. So we aren't running people out as we grow as a city. We aren't making it so impossible to afford to live here that they have to leave. Mm -hmm. uh, one corollary to that, these people who are living here are very interested in air quality. You, you touched on this just a moment ago. Your plans going forward on air quality, how are you gonna tackle it? That is my favorite subject. And I, I, I mentioned it's the lens through which I see all of these issues that we can talk about. 
to go through quickly, there are things that the mayor can do. And if we start at this high level, and if we want to talk about climate change, which I think is the biggest issue facing our worldwide community right now, we're talking about carbon production. And as you know, our next mayor will be negotiating with Rocky Mountain Power for our upcoming renewal of the franchise agreement. That negotiation will entail how fa fast Salt Lake City gets renewable energy, 100% net renewable energy into Salt Lake City. Right now we're set for 2030. We know we need it here faster. So that negotiation, I want to be the lead for Salt Lake City as we talk to Rocky Mountain Power about getting renewables in here. And that's at the climate change level because those coal-fired power plants aren't here in Salt Lake City. As we zoom in, we've already talked about public transportation, making the case to the big stakeholders in this city who rely on our economy and the billions they have invested in making sure things work and how people move through the community. This is not just a Salt Lake City taxpayer conversation. It has to be brought in with all of these t stakeholders. So building our public transit out, transitioning that fleet to an all electric bus fleet, mm -hmm. growing our electric vehicle charging infrastructure in Salt Lake City, which we do actually through grants, federal monies. Um, it's not usually our taxpayer dollars, but we need to do that more aggressively. And then zooming in even to your driveway and your front yard and your backyard, the city should either work with the Division of Air Quality or replicate the CARAT program they have, which uh, is a, it's a incredible opportunity for residents to trade in their normal gas-powered lawnmowers and snowblowers mm -hmm. for electric units. And when you think about it, right after that storm comes through in the winter and blows out the inversion, we go outside, fire up our snowblowers, and they produce an incredible amount of emissions right there at the most sensitive time for us and uh, right there at, in, at your household. So whether it's at a climate change level of talking about carbon, down to your driveway and the pollution we create at our most sensitive time in our valley. There are a lot of things that the city can do. As those opportunities with the, the private community and the economy evolve, there will be more opportunities for us. But that air quality background and foreground I have, the lens through which I see things will allow us as a city, I think, mm -hmm. to pull in more opportunities uh, as they come up. Explain what that impact is on the rest of the state. You know, Salt Lake City you know, has set such good direction and policy. Do you see, as mayor, you have a responsibility to the whole state uh, in terms of the decisions you make? Salt Lake City is the forerunner on a lot of issues as the capital city, but I think politically speaking, to we are willing to try new things in different ways than other cities traditionally have been in the state. I absolutely think the city has a role in leading the rest of the state, not just the state government, but the other 246 cities and towns across the city. That's why last year I uh, applied to be on the board of the Utah League of Cities and Towns. I was accepted and I've been a board member since September of 2018. It's important to me because Salt Lake City traditionally has come to other cities and towns when we need something. And we need to build a relationship, an ongoing relationship that listens and learns from and is collaborative with other cities, whether they're big cities like Ogden and Provo, down to smaller towns throughout the state. The city can lead, and having a relationship with those entities and those conversations ongoing is an important way to get there. Okay. In the last couple of seconds we have, uh, just help us uh, distinguish you uh, from your opponent. There, there's some similarities in policy, mm -hmm. uh, and but when people are calling me, they're, they're, they want to talk about that. But you as a person, but what distinguishes you, makes you, you the perfect candidate right now for Salt Lake City? 
Two big things, I think, and one of them we've talked a lot about, which is my air quality background. I have a master's in science and technology with environmental science focus from the University of Utah here. I chair our state air quality board. I came into this through community organizing and co-founded Breathe Utah about a decade ago. That is my bread and butter. It's why I do the political work that I do. But second, I think most importantly, is having the skill set of working in city hall and making city government work better for the people for the last six years. The last 12 years, we've had former state legislators as our mayor. And I don't see that the Republican-led legislature is treating us very differently. I think looking at another four or potentially eight years with another state legislature isn't what Salt Lake City needs right now. With the growth and the investment that's happening here, we need a mayor who understands what the city can do, what they can't do, and the opportunities that we have not seized yet to take advantage of the growth and the investment that's happening here and get more for our residents. Very good, thank you. It's gonna have to be the last word. Appreciate that. This is Salt Lake City mayoral candidate, Councilwoman Erin Mendenhall. Thank, thank you for you. being here. Thanks, Jason. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode of The Hinkley Report. If you like listening to the experts talking about the issues, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast app.